Welcome to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. This podcast series offers a fun and serious look at hypnosis and offers various ideas, discuss case studies, along with NGH educational opportunities. Okay, hello everybody. This is Deb Boucher talking to you from the great NGH podcast. And today I get to talk to the incredible, fabulous Mr. Dan LaRosa. How are you today, Dan? Oh, I'm as happy as can be. I'm glad that we're doing this. Same, very, very same. Another Connecticut friend that I have back here on the East Coast. Um, I just want to say hello to you as an NGH hypnotist. And just to get started for people listening, how long have you been a hypnotist with the NGH? Um, I, I started as a stage hypnotist in 1986. I believe that was the first year that we had a convention. And I've been to every single one since, with the exception of one when I had uh, something that came up that prevented it. But other than that, 86, I believe. Wow. So what got you into, as a hypnotist, I didn't start off doing the stage hypnosis. So what was your interest in starting off as a performer? Well, that, that's an interesting story. Uh, real, real brief version of it is that I was working for the state of Connecticut in a job I loved with good pay, great benefits, fast track for supervisor, working with adolescent children in a mental health institute. I loved that job. I loved the kids. But I, uh, that was 1981 that I left. And here's what happened. In 1977, my friends and I started a band called Coconuts. We're still playing together after all these years, 47 years. And we got offered to do a job in Florida, which I thought would be a weekend. You know, go to Florida in the middle of winter for a weekend. That's cool. <laughs> and they said, no, we want you to do 10 weeks at this place in the Florida Keys. Wow. And we thought about it and we, we thought, well, we'd have to quit. We'd have to quit our jobs. And we thought about it for a day. We all had great jobs. We did it. And so here's the rest of the story. We played the Florida Keys several years running until they made condos. But <laughs> the summer of 81, we were playing in Virginia Beach, another tourist area. And we were playing at a tourist restaurant for customers waiting for customers having dinner. We were there for six weeks. After a couple of weeks, I asked a question uh, about any kind of things interesting in Virginia Beach that aren't touristy, you know. And somebody mentioned Edgar Casey. So his home and research center are there. Edgar Casey, what is this? And I went, and I was so fascinated by the work he did. And I had a couple of three takeaways, one of which was trust yourself trust your intuition and trust your psychic ability to know things without having to have it spelled out. So this is in July of uh, 81. And then we were getting ready to leave with one week left. And our, our, one of our nights off was a Tuesday. And I saw in the paper that Sam Vine, the world's funniest hypnotist was going to be in Virginia beach for one night only. So my friends and I went, and I was blown away by his show, and I asked Sam to teach me, and his answer changed my life forever. He looked at me, and he said, no, trade <laughs> secret, no. And I just kind of gave up on it. And there's more to the story, which I'll share in, in August, but uh, through the most unusual circumstances, incredibly unbelievable, if I weren't there, 
I would have said, no, that, that didn't happen, but it did. And uh, in 86, we broke up for a while when our lead singer got married. Hmm. And kiddingly, we said to him, all right, we'll wait till the divorce. <laughs> Three years later, they were divorced, sadly. <laughs> but good for it. the band, because uh, that's what I love doing now the most. I, I and, and being in the band, th this is how I became proficient at stage hypnosis. From 81, when I learned, till 86, when I went full-time, uh, we would play in these various clubs. And on our breaks, we would I would announce that I was a hypnotist. And, uh, and over in the corner, if everybody wanted to get hypnotized, they could come over. And pretty soon, people were coming just for that. And they, they'd <laughs> wait for that show. And then one thing led to another, and I, I started doing it. Uh, and I ended up working in Connecticut every Monday through Thursday in the same club, same night. One of them was for six years, another one for four, some others for two. But that's how what I got my, my creds. Every every Monday through Thursday, I was doing uh, bar shows, club shows. And I started uh, in, in um, well, in uh, Watertown which is right near Groton. So we had all these sailors coming in and yep. some of that led to my doing shows in Europe and, and on USS Nimitz. And one thing led to another. I never planned it out. I never said, well, this is what I'll do tomorrow and the next day. I just took what Edgar Casey said, trust your intuition, your psychic abilities and go with your feelings. And then that's what I did. And that's how it started. I love that. That's a great story. And I love that you got introduced to everything through Edgar Casey because I got my start with everything through the metaphysics also. Yes. And right around the same time, I left Connecticut to go find everything that you stayed in Connecticut to find in culture and nurture within yourself. I left to find it, but the same route, Edgar Casey, the sleeping prophet and all that. And you know, what's wonderful about that is because the journey takes you where you need to be in the right time in the right place. And you, you may not even know it. It's serendipitous often. You just all of a sudden you say, now that is really cool. And one, one more thing about the, the uh, Sam Bynes show. I, I really enjoyed him a lot. I saw him two or three times after. But when we got there in 1981, the cover charge was 10 bucks, 10 bucks. <laughs> and that's probably like 40 or 50 bucks. And we thought, well, the other guys were like, I'm not paying $10. We don't even know what this <laughs> stuff is. And I said, yeah, but when are you going to get a chance to see the world's funniest hypnotist? And he was terrific. Now, Sam Bynes was also a big influence for Jerry Valley. And we often talked about Sam. Interesting. And uh, yeah, how we, we modeled ourselves after his sort of vaudevillian style of uh, hypnosis. But, and again, I'll share some of his style uh, later on. But let me mention one thing about Sam Bynes. So here I am, I'm doing stage shows. And in my hometown at the time, Meriden, I noticed that at the Hukilau, there was a Hukilau there, and there was one in Springfield, <laughs> and they were going to have a hypnosis show. And I was off. I went to the show, and the band came out, and they were a Polynesian fellows, some Hawaiian fellows, and they're playing their music for the warm-up. And because I'm a musician, I'm watching the guitarist. You know, oh, that's pretty cool. And a couple of minutes, uh, the show is over. And then they announced the hypnotist will be. And I realized that the stage hypnotist came out all dressed up in a tuxedo. And I realized that's that's the guitar player. This is interesting. I play guitar. <laughs> he said, wow. So I watched him and he started and he did exactly 
Sam buying his show, even though Sam told me no way it's a trade secret. So when he when the show was over, I announced who I was and and I I said, I'm surprised that Sam let you do his show. And he said, No, he said, No, he said, I'm I'm the guitar player at Tahuki Lao and I recorded his show. I watched it many times. I translated it, my wife transcribed it, and all I did was memorize the words and went out and I did the words. So I tell my students. I said, understand that if you have the basic knowledge, particularly hypnotherapy, if you know what might happen, what might not, if you know how to take care of people, the actual hypnosis stage show is really not that complicated, nor is it that difficult. It's just follow the recipe, follow the plan. I love that, Dan. And I love the whole recipe, which brings me to a question for you. Knowing that there's a lot of other like hypnosis guilds out there, why did you choose the NGH and why do you stay with the NGH as a hypnotist guild? There are a lot of reasons for that. First of all, back in 86, I was also doing hypnotherapy at a psychologist's office. And he said, oh, here's something you might be interested in. What's this NGH? What is this? A convention? A conference? I got to go to this. <laughs> and I made up my mind. Once again, you know, I'm going there. The very first conference that we had had less than 100 people attending and everyone went to the same workshop. So again, I mentioned Jerry Valley. I'll mention another great and dear friend, which was Ormond McGill. Mm. And uh, Jerry took me under his wing. I mean, I looked at Jerry. He was so sophisticated, so cool. And I wanted to be like Jerry. <laughs> and when we got to become great friends and had great conversations, but an even deeper friendship with, was with, with um, Orman McGill. A lot of folks don't know this, but we met secretly every Thursday night, convention night. I would go around to the back of the hotel because if you went through the lobby, there was an hour of hi, hi, hi. Yeah. And we would drive at least 10 miles away. We did this for many, many years. And we had our two, three-hour conversation. It just, I was just fascinated by this man. I still what am. He was not only the greatest hypnotist in stage work and in therapy, in my opinion, he was also a magician. He often did his magic shows at our conventions. He was also a, I don't know the right term for a butterfly person, but he knew everything about butterflies. And we talked about all these things. Talked about his wife, Delight, who was the love and delight of his life, who had passed away, sadly. And this was uh, way back in the 80s. And he would just talk about his beliefs about what's, what happens next. So Jerry Valley, Orman McGill, and the third person of my trinity was and is Dwight Damon. Mm. So why do I stay around? Because I'm on their shoulders. Because they helped me. They pushed me. They Whenever I had trouble, Dwight Damon was the first guy to give me a call at the convention after my wife passed away. That was the year. I, I, I don't think I made it that year. But um, when I did see Dwight, he took me into his office privately at the hotel that we had our, our conventions, spoke to me. He also I outlined my future, planting seeds. And I said, oh, Dwight, I'm never going to give up stage hypnosis. Are you kidding? I love doing it. He said, the time will come. You may want to teach. 
You may want to do therapy. Prepare yourself. No. 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 <laughs> and guess what? He was right. And I, I, I love stage hypnosis, but I have one more show in Maine. That's what I say. And uh, I'm very, you know, I did the show last night. I loved it. The kids loved it. I stayed extra to talk with everybody. I'm driving home with my associate that was doing my sound. And as we're driving, he said, my God, it was for his first time. He said, you, that's the most amazing thing. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get too excited. He's a drummer in my band, by the way. Uh, Don't get too excited because I need you as a drummer, not as a hypnotist. Oh, <laughs> so, anyway, we, um, we came home and, and he said, this must've been fun. And, and I'll, I don't know if you know about all these places, but I have been on the USS Nimitz and I've been to Europe, 15 different t tours. I've been to uh, really all over the world. I've been to the Caribbean and all of this because I was able to say to people, here's the benefits if you decide to volunteer tonight. That's how I start all the shows. I always tell the benefits. That's how we start. I love that. So knowing that you're a stage hypnotist first, but also knowing that you work with clients privately, for the people listening, for the stage hypnotist, why would they want to become a hypnotist who works with individual clients? And as a hypnotist who works with individual clients, why might they want to become a stage hypnotist? I'll start with the ones that work with clients. There is no greater way than what they say in Missouri, the show me state. You could tell people all day long, this stuff is powerful. This is amazing. This can change your life. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. But when I do a stage show, all right, so I did th this morning, here's what I did. I asked my volunteers, who loves to speak in public? And everybody's like, you know, no, no. And, and well, who's really afraid of it? And one kid raised his hand bravely. And in speaking with him, I realized, you know, he was kind of shy on stage. Uh, fun fact, I failed public speaking twice in college. <laughs> That's encouraging. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, well, here's what changed. My great teacher, Dr. Panur, is there anything that you want to do with hypnosis now that you're a student here? He said, I'm a little bit shy on stage. I, well, we'll take care of that. And he did. So I told the student last night, when I say the secret word, which is, you should know it by now, La Rosa. <laughs> I use it in all my shows. There's a reason that. for that, too. I'll explain that in August, but here's the point. So I say to him, when I say my name, La Rosa, you're going to be the greatest public speaker ever. And to keep the kids interested in the audience, I say, and you're going to talk to these students about why it's important they drink. And the kids are all, ah! I go, eight <laughs> glasses of water a day, people. <laughs> and so I say the name. He gets up, he grabs the mic. Everybody, you got to learn this water and he goes on he does this when i snap my fingers he goes from exuberant and excited to and he hands the mic over and i take it also by the way in stage hypnosis i always caution the parameters don't drop the mic because that happened one time at a college it was a wireless mic he didn't just drop it he threw it no <laughs> mic no mic 800 students in the audience. What do you do? I'll, I'll explain that in August. You got to have some teasers. So he became very shy. And this happened three times. And the last time I tell him, 
this next time when you speak, you're going to be ranting and raving and jumping around because you're fantastic. La Rosa. And he goes out there and he is blowing their minds away. And so when a hypnotherapist or a consulting hypnotist, depending on their qualification, speaks about how hypnosis works, he doesn't have to do a show. But if he's in a library, which is a great place, or a rotary club with 15 minutes, and you're not supposed to sell things there, but they know you're a hypnotist, and you're allowed to pass out your card. And I know uh, Tommy V does this quite a bit. He said that I always find one or two clients, and he used to give a speech a week. And I know it would work. Now, the other way around, as a hypnotherapist, as a stage hypnotist, in the early days, I started doing hypnotherapy because people asked and because I loved doing it. And a, a quick story about that, too. I was doing a show in, uh, in, in Watertown. I was there for six years. A, a woman came and it was a, uh, like a disco. It was a 50s and 60s club. And a woman came, came over and she said, I wonder if you would speak to my sister. She has, she has a question for you. And as I walked over to her table, the woman was too shy to come across the, the dance floor to where I was. But when I went over there, I, I saw that she, she was a large woman. I saw that she had her issues I, just by looking and then speaking with her. And the first thing she said, I, I don't know if this would help me because I've tried everything. I need to lose weight. Will you, can you help me? And my answer is always absolutely, because what am I going to say? Oh, there's a possibility that it may not work. No, absolutely. In one way or another, either to love yourself as you are, which is always the start of change, or to love yourself as you are and change into the person who you are inside. She came to me for only six sessions over a six-month period. The reason for only six is because back then I had this belief, well, she might feel that I'm, you know, she might be dependent on me. But in those six months, and we saw her six times once, a couple of times in the beginning, uh, first week or two, then after that, every other month or so. So she lost uh, a certain amount of weight. I don't recall how much in six months. And I never saw her again. But two years after she started, and a year and a half after I saw her last, I'm in the nightclub again. This time, somebody walked across the table, uh, across the dance floor. Somebody said to me, hi, Dan LaRosa. I knew the way she said it, that I should have known who she was. I did not. Wow. And she said, I am, and I, I temporarily have forgotten her name, but let's say it's Carol. She said, I'm Carol. I came to you. Carol. Oh, my God. And she had lost in those two years, 123 pounds. Wow. And her life. Wow. Every once in a while, I will still get an email, still doing well, living a great life, whatever it is that she writes about. It's been a little bit, but that's why we do both sides. This is not just about entertainment, as I explained to every show, including this morning at two o'clock or whatever it was. <laughs> I said, you're looking at the entertainment side, but I want you to think about the possibilities that by changing your thinking at this deep subconscious level, I talked a little bit about that. And I say, you can manifest your life in a way that you can't even imagine right now. But I can promise you this, 
learn about this. It's possible. I love that. And I love, you know, I've known you for a while. I used to, before I started getting really involved in the guild, even after I certified, I was in California. So we would study all the tapes because the guild had this huge library of all the tapes and conventions. So I studied all of your tapes from your, from your um, shows and Jerry Valley and all these people whose shoulders we all stand on. And then I was mm. starstruck when I started going to the conferences every year because I've seen everybody. So you're one of the... I know you're taking the Tommy V's course. I always highly recommend him because Tommy V is very, very, very thorough from beginning to middle to end. And if anyone's listening, they're wondering, should I study with Tommy V? Why would you even hesitate? He's successful. Yeah, I'll be in that. I mean, I used to study his dad, too. Uh, if, my, if my schedule allows, I'm going to be in your class on Friday, which I'd like to ask you about now. Okay, um, sure. I know it's number 12113. You're holding it on Friday from 11 to 1, and the class yep. is called Secrets of a Successful Stage Hypnotist. So in those two hours, what might we be experiencing with you? Well... The first part I talk about is how I became a hypnotist. There's a kind of a lengthy story. It's about 11 minutes, but it's an amazing story because along the way, these unseemingly, you know, coincidences and, and things of that nature, I just happened to be at the right place. I'll just share one story with you. In 81, there is no internet. There is no way to research who's teaching hypnosis. I had to deliver posters to one of the clubs that we were working at. It's a brand new club. It was an hour away. This is after I studied with Edgar Cayce or Edgar Cayce's material. And I said to the guys, I'm going to drive to this club tomorrow with our posters. And they said, why would you do that? We always mail them. See, there was no internet, so everything was by mail. I said, you know, it's an hour away. And I said, I don't know. I have a feeling. I don't know. I go to the club. It became a great club for us. We did about 30 shows over the next few years, but nothing unusual. In driving home, I had noticed a diner on the way down. I pull off the highway, go to the diner. It is August. It's really hot. It's completely empty, except for two waitresses at the counter. They're bent over the crossword puzzle, smoking cigarettes, which we all did. <laughs> I smoked back then. I'm smoking. They're smoking. One of them look, doesn't barely looks up hands me a menu, and she says in her raspy voice, is it any way you like, honey? Okay. <laughs> this diner is huge, 280 people. I know it because I've been there a few times. There's nobody in there. I could have sat anywhere. I sat at one booth in this whole place that had garbage on the floor. And I reached out to, what is it? Well, it's a newspaper. And I'm just going through it, and I'm going through it. It's just, we have read newspapers and nothing unusual until page five. Tiny ad on the corner of the uh, paper. Learn to be a hypnotherapist. Ooh. If you are a therapist and want to learn. So I, that's how it started. And there's a story about that because at first, Dr. Panur did not want to accept me into his class because I pronounced I, was, I wanted to be a stage hypnotist. And there's a long story of how he accepted me into his class and how after 20 minutes, I became a devotee of not only hypnosis, but Dr. Joseph Panur from Kerala, India. He changed my life. Wow, that's interesting. I love your stories. And again, your shoulders that I stand on, you're one of the people whose shoulders I'm standing on now. 
So I encourage everybody listening to this podcast to check out your class. Are you teaching any other classes, Dan, other than the one on Friday? I am not. Uh, this summer, uh, Heather and I were going to go to Europe in August. And, I, and, and she's a professor. And she said, I just have August. And I said, oh, my gosh. Uh, go to Europe with my lovely bride or come to a convention, which I love. It was a hard decision. And I said, I, I spoke with Elsa. And he said, you know, you, you would be greatly missed and everything. And I said, I know Elsa. And, and then Heather has a job that's starting in August at, at another college. And um, she says, I can't go to Europe this summer. Hmm. So I actually, I, I wrote to Elsom and uh, Jean wrote back and said, you know, we have one slot that's open and we'd love to have you fill it Friday, August 11th at 11 a.m. 2023. Well, I, I, I don't, um, I will be in that class if my schedule allows me because I just love hearing your stories and you're one of the you're one of the, I mean, there's so many real people within the guild, but you're one of the real, real people where you walk mm. it, you talk it, and you're just always your authentic self. And I just thank you. really appreciate having known you all these years and getting to know you even more with even more background stuff that we have more in common. I want to mention before we end the official part of this podcast that the guild did just lose a um, longtime incredible member, Elsom Eldridge, that I know you were very close with. He yes. helped me through the years. So I just want to put that out to all the listeners that... Um, we, we will miss him greatly, but I just want to honor that and acknowledge that on this podcast. And, and I do hope, one of the things I love about the NGH is that we make many friends, really genuine, you mentioned that, honest, good people, willing to help each other. But you know what? We also spend a lot of time enjoying, hey, what about this thing or that thing or going out to dinners or just hanging out, playing guitar. Yep. So I bought my guitar last year and... Uh, we were um, in the uh, refreshment center. I, I forget what it's called. Oh, it's a bar. And so uh, we had my guitar. <laughs> a beverage place. A beverage place. That's a better name. And Tom Nicoli and I, if you all know Tom, he's like the best guitarist in the world. This guy is amazing. So we were trading off licks on the guitar. and we We're playing and singing. The next thing we know, even people that weren't part of our group were coming around. We had a big sing-along. I expect we're going to do the same thing this year. And so that's another reason why I love this convention. I learn a lot too. So many bright, brilliant people, incredible. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I'm sure we're going to talk about Elson, and that's important. Absolutely important. The whole, um, I guess it's like the Hall of Fame, Wall of Fame with all the great, again, the giants yes. whose shoulders we've all been standing on. So before we end this incredible, fabulous conversation, what is what your a main like golden nugget that you have? through the years as a hypnotist? Like, what is it that you hold on to that keeps you going? You know, I hearken back to what Woody Allen said. Woody said 80% of success is showing up. Mm. So what I teach my private hypnosis, stage hypnosis students is, there are going to be times when you walk into a room and you're going to be afraid, or you're going to think, I can't do this. And I've done about 4,000 shows. And that's true because I started off doing the bars, two, 300 shows a year for about eight years. That's a lot of shows. Not and there were times I walked in, I've done shows where Hell's Angels or other gangs were in there. And I thought, oh, no, they became my best friends. I love that. <laughs> and I always said to myself, 
I may not want to do this, but I got to show up. I'm here. And I trusted that it would happen. And I've got a heck of a story about that. I'll tell everybody about that one in August. That's how I got to Europe. Friday at 11 o'clock, August 11th. So thank you all the listeners. You've been listening to the NGH National Gold of Hypnotist podcast. This was Debbie Boucher talking to the fabulous Dan LaRosa in the house. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. You're welcome to share your ideas for future podcasts by emailing us, nghpodcast at ngh.net.